This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Oh, good morning, Canada. GTC Episode 2, Season 11. Not a lot to really dive into today in terms of golf and leaderboards, as there is only one professional golf tournament happening on a main tour, but lots of news and lots of information that came out this week that will affect potential uh, championships in the future, uh, and also some big names back in the mix. So right off the top, good morning, Bob, and kudos to you and to Adam right off the top, who started Brooks Kepka last week and found him back in the winner's circle. So well done there. What did you see, Bob, with Brooks last week that you said this is the week? I said uh, I, I saw him... Um... I saw him, I just saw kind of more of a, a killer instinct. I don't know if that's the right word to say, but you know, like there was a little bit of a drive there, I think. And, uh, and listen, he, he didn't, uh, he didn't look good early on. He just was a finishing kick that, that really got him over the hump, but uh, it's nice to see. It was nice to see. Always good. Obviously, you know, golf's driven by like every other sport by their stars, uh, love him or hate him. He is a star and his name uh, does move the needle, and it certainly happened last week. And uh, Jordan Spieth with a chance to win last week, and now all of a sudden Jordan Spieth with a chance to win again this week. We will jump into the story at Pebble Beach. We will hear from Jordan Spieth. We hear from uh, Bill Price. Bob had an opportunity to sit down with uh, Bill Price from TaylorMade. The raw high toe wedges were released uh, on yesterday. Actually, the uh, news came out. They're available February nineteenth. The raw high toe. Bob, I love the Bigfoot. Normally, I don't like the Bigfoot wedge because it's got that huge wide sole plate and that giant flange. It looks like a, a ridiculous amount of bounce. But the heel, the heel relief this year on the Bigfoot wedge, it looks amazing. Like it looks like it's more versatile. Like that wedge now can kind of do almost anything. And I think I don't know. I like the, the raw look. Looks amazing to me. I like. I love that raw look. I think uh, I'm not sure if there's a huge difference in performance but visually if even if there isn't visually to me I, it looks like in my mind i'm going to sense that there's better more performance out of it uh and i've got those high toes in the bag i think i might i might switch my uh, lofts this year a lot of people now i notice are going instead of going from 60 and 56 they're going 58 and 54 and i find my i find i could if i could just get a little more distance out of those wedges on full shots because the performance around the green is fine then i might do that Nice. So Robert, going to get dialed in this year on his wedges, I believe is what he's saying. Dialed in. <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. There was also a shoe release last week. You saw all the guys in the desert wearing the Adidas uh, ZG21 shoe. Uh, Mason Dennison sat down with uh, Scully about a week ago to talk about that product release. So we'll hear from uh, Mason and our friends at Adidas as well today. Winners, weird or what? Stardom Cinema. We'll also do You Program It, our new segment where we ask you what you want us to chat about. Are we missing something? And our audience wants to hear about what we think was the greatest round we've ever seen. We'll do one with our uh, we've seen with our own eyes and one we've seen uh, through, uh, through the television. So we'll do that. So much to get to. But first, let's get to some news and headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Everybody knows one. 
All right. News and headlines. Like we said, it Kepka back in the winner's circle last week. Bob, you said it was a, a big rock finish more than anything else for you. Spieth stumbling down the stretch. Can't put it in the fairway. And it's funny because Spieth's at the top of this leaderboard again here this week of the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. He still can't put it in the fairway. So until he, I'm going to give you two questions. One, you know, does, can he win hitting it that crooked off the tee? You know, because he he used to do that in the past. You know, if this was 2016 or 2015, I I would probably still suggest to you that Spieth could win hitting it sideways off the tee. I'm not so sure anymore. So in your mind, can he win hitting it that crooked? And secondly, Sanders Shoffley. At what point do we start giving him some heat for not winning golf tournaments? This guy is in the mix a lot. A lot of leads or close to leads on Sunday. And, you know, if you look at it statistically, not a great closer. Uh, so two questions there. The The first one is I, I still think I'm just so afraid of, of Jordan's driver right now. Like if you look at the stats last week, the first round he hit two fairways. Uh, Saturday he was six. Sunday he was five. And... He's kind of doing the same thing this week, and you see some great putting, although he said last night he came off, he said, boy, if I could have made a few more putts, I mean, I guess everyone always says that, but, you know, it's exciting kind of golf to watch, but it's sort of like a car going down the highway with no brakes is how I described it. It can go off the road at any minute, I think, and I think there's a potential what you saw last Sunday um, happening over this weekend. I hope he gets it through. He's an adventurous golfer, certainly from where he's hitting it and how he's getting it up and down and how he's scoring. Give him credit for that. And what was your second Xander, question? Xander, when do we give <laughs> yeah. him heat? When does he catch heat? Yeah. Because you and I said, okay, if there's an important golf tournament this year, he's he's near or at the top of our list when we're thinking about if we were to put a team of five players together, six players together, majors. You know, he's a guy we all kind of look at, bounce around. Yet, here we go again. Chance to win again. Doesn't happen. When do we start going, oh, maybe, you know, because Tony Finau catches a lot of heat, guys. For, for, you know, for the amount of times he's in the mix and doesn't get it done. But for some reason, because we talked about this last week, it's the way Xander doesn't win. It's like he's not missing five footers or, or three putting from 13 feet to lose. He's, but he's still losing, Bob. Yeah. And, and I, I think, you know, it's, there's a group of guys now that you just wonder why they don't win more. He's there. Tony Finau's there. Rory. You got to include in there a little bit too, but Xander does. You're right. Xander doesn't seem to get the the notoriety for it, and he's probably in some. I would say he's probably had more better chances to win, if that makes sense, than some of those other guys have recently. And uh, I don't know. It's um, you're right. I think it's got to start to add up, and he's going to start to look at it. Yeah, and people are going to start, and, and, and media is going to start calling it out, and that's when it starts, you know, leaning on a guy because what happens is if the in the scrum the mic gets put out in the face and it's like, so when are you going to start winning? And that's when it starts settling and you get sick of answering the question and you get sick of hearing it. So, you know, our, I think we're treading in those waters now. Players Championship releases their first block of tickets, sells out in one day. Our friends south of the border are vaccinating 1.5 million people a day. They are tickety-boo, about to release another block of tickets of the Players Championship. How many bodies, Bob, do you think we could see daily by the time we get to the players? Are we looking at 10,000, 15,000? I don't know. You know, it's still, uh, I'd still be a little nervous. I don't, I don't think there'll be any chain smokers concerts. Let's put it that way. But I think that, uh, (laughs) but but I do think that the, that, you know, I guess what they kind of proved last week at at Phoenix is you can have a small number of people 
Uh, and I mean, I haven't heard any reports of transmission or whatever, but, um, but you know, Florida is still a pretty hot spot in certain places. I'm not sure about uh, Jacksonville, but um, we'll see. I mean, good, good. It's good to see. It's good to see. And it's good to hear fans back. It's such a difference when, uh, when there's people there applauding and cheering and stuff than, than not. And anything at all that looks and sounds remotely normal is good. And for your for your brain right now, just like you said, watching that broadcast last week, listening to the broadcast last week, just hearing the the background noise, which isn't pumped in like uh, like other sports. It's actually real background noise. Uh, there, there's certainly something uh, wonderful about that at this moment in time. OK, the big news of the week, the big news of the week and the, and the news that will affect this sport moving forward and. My initial reaction to this is very excited and very happy that the PGA of America is going to allow yardage devices at the PGA Championship, Women's PGA Championship, and Senior PGA Championship. Uh, I'm hoping, Bob, that this speeds up play. Uh, I like the way this is going. If it does uh, do what I think it might do, I'm hoping maybe the PGA Tour uh, 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 adopts something like this or allows this, but this only speeds up play, Bob, if it also means we're going to stop the five-minute conversations about yardage and we're going to stop the like constantly reading the booklet that it's like they're carrying around a phone book all the time with them on on yardages and stuff. So I, I don't know what the great effect is if we're still doing that, but my initial instinct was bravo. How did you feel? I thought it was good. Um, I thought it's progressive. The PGA to me is the organization that will will most test things like that. Like you know, they're not afraid to have lift clean a place in a major championship. They just they just seem to be a little bit more um, willing to, to to experiment and stuff. Will it save time? You know, I talked to a couple of caddies this week. Our good pal Brandon Little. He seemed to think so. Not so much when you're in the fairway, but when you're way offline. You know, the books. He said the books that they get now are so good. Uh, that you can rely on them, and they've got markings up, you know, just about everywhere. Um, t- but when you get offline, obviously, it takes a little more time to try and find that yardage. So that's where it could help. I don't think it's going to slow anything down. Let's put it that way. So if it can speed a little bit up, then then I think why not give it a try? They, you know, they did test it on the Corn Ferry Tour a couple of years ago, four tournaments. It didn't really. The, there was no negotiable or no negligible, I should say, negotiable. No negligible. Uh, uh, sp- increase in pace of play or anything so but but why not if it doesn't hurt then why not i think you're right with the offline when you get when you get off the beaten path uh it certainly could help the situation um they are going to stick kind of with the usga uh, format that they've used in in, in 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 other championships where the devices will be allowed but they won't be allowed to show slope or increase or decrease in the amount of uphill or downhill uh, and one of my favorite tweets, Bob, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, I forget who it was that tweeted out, said, uh, somehow at the PGA Championship, Patrick Reed's going to figure out a way of uh, accidentally having his slope uh, uh, device on. <laughs> <laughs> PGA, right? Oh, I didn't know we could right? use that, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. 
all right. On the other side, we're going to take a look at the AT&T Pebble Beach. Of course, no Pro-Am this year. Jordan Spieth right now with a one-shot lead over Daniel Ber- Ber- Berger excuse me, and Henrik Norlander. Now, I started Henrik Norlander this week. He was my pick. He's two off the lead. One of you gentlemen started Daniel Berger. I can't remember who it was. He's one off the lead. And one of you gentlemen started Patrick Cantley, who's three off the lead. I remember seeing that in our edge hit earlier this week. So for some reason this week, the three of us uh, are right on the money. And I'm wondering if you just give Golf Talk Canada the worst field of the year, we're going to nail it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, let's see. There's how many guys to pick from? (laughs) (laughs) All right. On the other side, we'll hear from the leaders. We'll jump into the AT&T. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was brought to you by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by TaylorMade. Experience the drives every golfer wants to hit and no golfer wants to follow. With the all-new Sim 2 driver, only from TaylorMade. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn more. Welcome back. Good morning, Golf Talk Canada's Aquino Week. Scully will be by shortly. Uh, Jordan Spieth on top of the leaderboard, AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. He's hitting it sideways. Bob, um, first off, I have to correct myself. Last week, you guys picked Cantley and Berger. Not <laughs> Not this week, so you guys picked a week early. Now, I do know that Norlander was my pick this week, who's two off the pace. And I also picked Paul Casey, who's three off the pace. So I have a few horses in the race still. We will do uh, Stardom Sidham later on in the show. But back to Jordan Spieth. You remember that line from David Faraday about uh, watching Phil Mickelson play golf? It's like watching a drunk guy chase a balloon around a cliff, along a cliff. Is that yeah. not starting to feel like watching Jordan Spieth with Eagles at par fours? He eagled the par four tenth on Thursday. Then he hits it sideways. I mean, like every swing is an adventure. It. I will say that uh, you know his short game is pretty is pretty good. I like I like where he's doing the stuff around the greens on the greens, and that's always kind of been his strength anyway. But you're right, it is it's adventurous. It's fun. It's great. It's great to watch, and you know it's good for golf to see him up near the top of the leaderboard. There's he's one of the best liked players amongst his peers and i think he's also one of the big fan favorites he's uh he's a nice you know clean guy happy guy just seems to kind of fit the bill that you want to cheer for uh, when you look at his early we're going to hear from him here more momentarily but when you look at his early career stats when you grab the first three years of his career or four years of his career he is clicking away bob at a pace that is only tiger that is only jack I mean, his numbers, the wins he's he's compiling, the majors he's compiling, what he's doing in single seasons, it's Jack, it's Tiger, there's not a lot of other people in the conversation. So to go from that to complete obscurity and, and to come back, it is a great story if he were to be able to come back, win, and be relevant again. Sure, exactly. And it's... Uh... You know, it's been a it's been a huge battle, and there's been you know we were talking before about people asking Xander Shoffley or Tony Finau about why they don't win. You know, it's been it's been like three years of people asking Jordan, you know, what's going on. So it's I mean it's uh, it's not only a, a tough physical struggle; it's been a tough mental struggle for him, I think too. And um, any any kind of movement forward, like we saw last week and we're seeing this week, 
has got to be just an absolutely huge benefit for him uh, in so many ways, just sort of being able to realize that, okay, yeah, all this work that I'm putting in is starting to show up. Yeah, well, it's starting to show. He's got a one-shot lead over Daniel Berger, heading to Saturday at Pebble Beach, rounds of 65 and 67. Now, of course, they'll stay on Pebble for the remainder of the weekend, Bob, or just Sunday? Are they are they done with the other Rota? They're done. Back, they all are back done. on Pebble. All right, we're all on Pebble for the final 36. One-shot lead, let's hear from Jordan Spieth. And I'm just trying to kind of get more comfortable being being towards the top of the leaderboard and, and kind of feeling those nerves. And you start to get more comfortable the more often you're there. And these two days, you know, playing with, with or around the lead, you know, for at least the back nine yesterday through most of the round today, I felt a lot more comfortable than I did last week, um, which is a good sign. So not to say that, you know, it won't be a significant challenge the next two days, but um, I would say equal progressions each day. Little progressions each day, chipping away at it, seeing improvement. Uh, we'll see. This is a golf course he loves. Um, don't have to be the longest in uh, off the tee. You don't have to be the straightest off the tee. It's a, it's a second-shot golf course, but there are places at Pebble, there are certain holes where you just can't miss it. Most of those line up along the ocean. We'll see if he can get through them today. It should be fun. Daniel Berger, all he does is play well, it seems. Daniel Berger uh, continuing to just, you know, be relevant. It seems that uh, most weeks when he puts the ball on the ground, round is 67 and 66. He's now 11 under par. Daniel Berger, one shot off the lead. He'll play alongside Jordan Spieth today. Let's hear from Daniel Berger. I think patience probably would best describe it. You know, didn't uh, didn't make a bunch of birdies in the middle of the round and then kind of hung in there and toward the end uh, rattled off a couple and got myself in a good position going into Saturday. Well, he's right there as well. Again, one off the pace. And now my boy, my boy, Bob, Henrik Norlander. This is, this is who I liked. Um, it's interesting. You know, Norlander has just been quietly hanging around leaderboards this year. Right? He's got a top 10. He has. He has the, the, the tie for second at Torrey Pines. But he's just, you know, he's got 22nd, 25th, a 12th. He's just hanging around leaderboards. Uh, he's finished top 25 here in the past. And here he is again. A 64 on Pebble Beach on Thursday. He follows it up with a 70 at Spyglass yesterday. But we're off that road now. We're back on Pebble where he found his 64. Who knows? Two off the pace. Does Norlander find his first victory of the season? Let's hear from Henrik Norlander. No? Oh, I'm sorry. We don't have Henrik Norlander. My apologies. <laughs> I'll pretend I'm Henrik had... Norlander. Here we go. We don't have Henrik I hit Norlander. the ball really well, and uh, I was driving <laughs> it uh, really well, and I'm glad to get back on uh, Pebble. Uh, and I love listening to Golf Park Canada. I'm trying to see who we have next year. Sorry, I lost track of the audio here. <laughs> All right, let's. Well, who do we got next? Roll it. I'll tell You've you got who it a is. A little bit of Paul Casey <laughs> ready to go if you want. Paul to Casey. Oh, Casey. <laughs> Only three off the lead. I thought it was one of my guys. Paul Casey. Let's hear from Paul Casey. Um, if any, I mean, to me, it makes, it makes me feel like my goals are attainable <laughs> in a weird way. I mean, 2020 was, was disastrous in terms of my golf, um, apart from really one week where I played well. Um, and the goals are always lofty and, and I got a lot of them this year, um, you know, internationally and obviously here in the States. Um, but when you start off poorly, you know, you're kind of then scrambling and working hard on the game to try and regain form. I feel like I got form already and I can then zero in on those goals and, and 
continue the hard work. The hard work never stops, but it, say, it just feels like it's attainable, and you suddenly have a kind of little bit of weight lifted off the shoulders and a little less pressure. Casey finished second here a couple of years ago to Phil Mickelson's uh, big victory at Pebble Beach. Um, he, he's won the Pro-Am here, component of this golf tur- tournament. So it's, he, you know, he does love this golf course. He's already won, Bob. He won uh, on the European Desert Swing a couple of weeks ago to kick the dust off. He is three back alongside Tom Lewis, Patrick Cantley, who was kind of the heavy favorite, being the highest ranked player in the world in this golf tournament at, at number 11 in the official world golf rankings. They will start three back, Henrik Norlander two back, but you got to like Paul Casey's chances with two rounds to go being only three off the pace, knowing how much he likes this golf course and knowing he's already won this year. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a guy who's really the last two or three years or so has really kind of found something um, later in his career, shall we say, that uh, that's that's got him shooting back up leaderboards. He was sort of, um, you know, big early on when he first came out as a pro and then kind of went through the, I don't want to say mediocrity, but he was, you know, never a real threat. Now he's just, he's come on, found something and uh, a little bit of hard work, obviously, that's it's gone into the game. But uh, I like his chances any week these, he's playing these days. When he referred to big goals this year in that interview, you got to think he's referring to, I don't want to end my career without a major, and I want to be on that Ryder Cup team when we get to Whistling Straits. That, 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 is that not what he's saying right there? To me, that's one and one A on his goal list this year for sure. And I think, you know, he's proved himself capable of winning a major. He's hasn't actually done it, but he's been so close on a number of occasions. Uh, so I think he can, he can do that. Uh, and, then, and then the Ryder Cup would be just a, a no-brainer to have a guy like that with experience on there. And, uh, and his, um, he's a strong mental guy, I, I like to think. So I think that kind of goes well with, with uh, Ryder Cup play. Uh, speaking of the Ryder Cup, we should uh, make a note. Uh, Patrick Harrington was supposed to be in the field at Pebble Beach and uh, had to withdraw due to uh, positive COVID-19 tests. So hopefully uh, Captain Harrington is feeling well and uh, quarantining and doing just fine. And speaking of Pebble Beach, later today, TSN, CTV, 3 p.m. Eastern, I believe, is the kickoff time for rounds three. And, of course, round four as well of the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Uh, can Spieth get it done? A lot of great stories here. You've got Cantley looking for his uh, an, another victory here on the PGA Tour, already a winner. Spieth trying to get back in the winner's circle, try to do for him what Kepka did last week in the desert. Paul Casey trying to continue his great play and find an American win uh, to follow up his European Tour win. It was not the greatest field. It was probably the weakest field maybe of the year that we've seen to date, but the big names and the stories that could have found the top of the leaderboard have somehow managed to get there. So we should have a great 36 on what is one of the most iconic views in the world of golf. There's nothing better than looking at some of those aerial views from Pebble Beach. Bob, you know, the current green fee at Pebble is 600 bucks, uh, oh. but you got to spend a night. So it's like 1700, right? You got a night in the lodge too, starting around 1100 bucks. Some parts of the year, it's two night minimum stay. What's the most you've ever paid for a round of golf? Do you know off the top of your head? Mm, <laughs> no, actually, that's a okay, good well, question. Okay, well, think about it. We're gonna we're gonna bring Adam back <laughs> yeah. in. We're gonna bring Adam in on 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 uh, for the rest of the show, starting in the next segment. We're gonna talk about the greatest round we've ever seen because that's what our Twitter audience said. We want to hear what's the best round you've ever seen with your own eyes and the best one you've ever uh, witnessed on TV. But I'm gonna throw that in there for both of you guys. What's the most expensive round you had? Because I know what mine is. Mine was 300 pounds 
to play the old course at St. Andrews. It was uh, wow. 300 pounds, I believe, because we booked it in one of those super advanced bookings. So 300 pounds is like 600 bucks or something like that. I think that's the most expensive I've ever paid. I'll get it from you guys. We'll jump into it next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by TaylorMade. Experience the drives every golfer wants to hit and no golfer wants to follow with the all-new Sim 2 driver, only from TaylorMade. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn more. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, Zucchino Weeks, and now welcoming in Adam Scully. Skulls, good morning, brother. How are you? Gentlemen, great to be back. It's uh, you know our second show back, and it's nice to have some golf, and great to see Jordan Spieth back at the top of the leaderboard. Very entertaining thus far. All right, before we get to our You Program It, our listeners want to know what the best round we've ever seen. So before we get into that, though, what is the most you've ever paid to play golf? we got to find out this number. So, Skulls, what's the most you've ever paid to play golf? Well, as you guys know, I was in Ireland for the uh, 2019 Open Championship. So I didn't actually pay for this round of golf. I was very fortunate that my dad did. But I'd say Royal County Down, playing 36 holes there. Uh, where I believe it was 350 pounds for the yeah. 36 holes. Yeah. It was 250 for the first one and then 100 for the replay. And I, sh- I took a lot of strokes while playing. So I, I, I made up for the dollar spent, I think. Uh, uh, what I'm thinking is 36 holes of Royal County down, the bar bill afterwards, uh, drinking your sorrows away would dwarf the 350. (laughs) That's the hardest 36 you're going to play. Bob, what's the most you've ever paid? You you, you know now? You know, this is embarrassing, but I actually had to sit, Scully and I were talking on a break that, that I, I don't remember the last time I paid for a green fee and that's the lucky (laughs) part of my job for sure. And our jobs, you know that. So, the last yeah. time I can remember, I actually went out with uh, one of our producers, Mike Kaczynski, Kaz, we call him. Yeah, we Kaz. played at Tur- Turnbury up in, I think it's in Brampton. So we paid, I think we paid like the Twilight Rate or something. I think it was about 35 bucks, maybe 40 I don't know. And then before that, uh, I honestly don't remember the last time I paid for a green fee. It's it's well, terrible Bob, to say. Terrible Bob, to you've say, got to but... inject some cash into the system here. Come <laughs> <I> on. <know. laughs> We're in recovery mode. Get off the wall at weeks. Well, I, I don't I don't pay I don't play a lot outside my own course, but uh so you know right. I, that's that's a big that's my biggest green fee is my uh is the first round I play at Weston every year. That's about ten. I was just gonna now. say to you, Bob, pre COVID, <laughs> if we go back to twenty nineteen, the most expensive round of golf you, you pay for is uh, Weston because you give them uh, what probably six seven grand to do and go out three times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. My dad always says the first round's really expensive; the rest are free. I like that. Okay, what is the greatest round we've ever seen, Bob? Let's start with you. What's what our listeners want to know? What the greatest round you've ever seen with your own eyes is, and what the greatest round you've ever witnessed? You know, maybe through the TV. Now, a lot of these, you know, we've been. Especially you, because you've covered so many majors. You've seen a lot with your own eyes. Yeah, uh, I have. Um, I was going to say, watching you play at Goat Hill last year, where you made... <laughs> how many birdies did you make that day, honestly? No, I, I birdie, On the day? Yeah. I birdied nine at Goat Hill, and then another... Not a big deal. Yeah, and then another six... Just half six, the holes. 
have the holes, and then another six in the afternoon at Aviera. So I had 15 birdies in in our 36 holes. That was pretty good. Imagine if we <laughs> if we had played played the the long tees, the back tees. No, I'm just kidding. You were you were fantastic that day. That was that was that was really impressive to watch. But okay, so the greatest round I've ever witnessed personally um, was Stephen Ames' final round, 2006 Players Championship. I have never seen anybody control a golf ball like he did that day there was one he made one mistake uh with a double bogey on 10 i think it was other than that i have never seen a guy hit it to the right side of the flag hit it to the right side of the fairway uh putt like he did i mean he beat that field that was the best field in golf 48 of the top 50 players in the world that was the when they had the big six and he beat them by six shots six shots so to me that was just like I, i've never seen anything like that it looked programmed, right? It just like yeah. hitting it to the right spot all day, right side of the flag. It looked like it was scripted almost. It's unbelievable yeah. when they, when when the best in the world kind of get in that zone. It's insane. Adam, what's the best round you've ever seen with your own eyes? So I mentioned I was in Ireland, and so I was actually on the grounds at Royal Portrush back for the for the second and third round. And during the third round, Shane Lowry shot an eight under 63 and the conditions that day were very not Ireland, not traditional to Ireland. It was like playing in a dome, but there was so much pressure on Shane Lowry looking for his first major championship playing in Northern Ireland. You know, you know what the party was like afterwards, but the party during it for fans going nuts. And he had the ball on an absolute string that day. I was actually sitting in the 18th hole grandstand when, when he left the putt for 62 just short in the jaws from about 20 feet. And I'll never forget leaving the grounds that day. About 50,000 people, back when you could walk with 50,000 people, mm -hmm. were chanting Lowry's name, and he was waving. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen in person, and to actually see him play probably seven or eight holes that day, it was something I'll never forget. Yeah, to do it in a major, in front of your home crowd, the energy must have been just crazy. For me, it was, I was just sitting here thinking back on, you know, okay, was it a, a Masters that I was at? It was, I couldn't, or was it a round I called? You know, Bob and I were on the grounds at Augusta a few years ago where Charlie Hoffman shot 65, mm -hmm. I think, on the Thursday, Bob. And I mean, the, the, the average score that day was 74 point something. He was almost 10 shots better than the field that day. It was, it was insane. And Bob and I both looked at each other and we said, that might be the best round of golf we see this year, that, that opening 65. Uh, but for me, I think I go back to 2018 Kapalua. I walked 36 holes with Dustin Johnson on the weekend at Kapalua. And I mean, it's a par 73. And he goes 66, then 65. He eagles the par 4 12th two days in a row. He's driving par 4s. He turned Kapalua into a pitch and putt. I mean, one day I think he had five eagle putts in one of those rounds on the Saturday or the Sunday. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was like he was playing golden tee. It was absolutely ridiculous. And I remember doing the post-round interview with DJ and saying to him, you know, at this level, and I mean, he was as hot as he's ever been. He's probably similar to that same type of heat level right now, coming off a Masters victory, a win in the European Tour. Like now he is the guy again. And I remember talking to him going, with at this level of play, why can't we see somebody win eight, nine, ten times in one season again like Tiger used to do, et cetera? And he said, yeah, you know, at this level, I think I can win every time I play blah, blah, blah. A couple months later, he falls down a set of stairs. And, and, that, right, and that's the end of it. So for me, guys, uh, that weekend's the greatest thing I've ever seen. 
We only got about a minute left, Bob. What about TV? What's the best if you're sitting on the couch? Anything pop to mind? Uh, yeah, I remember watching Jim Furyk shoot 58 of the 2016 Travelers. And what people forget about that, Jim Furyk was 46 years old when he shot 58. So it's not like he was wow. a spring chicken. So that's pretty And cool. had that's a 59 under his belt. Already, you're right. Unbelievable. Skulls, what do you think? Off the, just uh, off the tee, uh, TV, anything uh, pop to mind? Yeah, uh, well, off the TV, the first thing that honestly came to mind, and this is more of a story as well, is, is Tiger Woods of the 2008 U.S. Open, the way he finished that third round as well, making eagle on the 13th hole, making a birdie on the 16th hole, which should have been a bogey or worse, sort of blading a chip and bouncing and going in. And then that eagle he made on the 18th hole, I'll never forget the celebration. He was in so much pain, just a simple fist pump. That was uh, the greatest round I've seen on TV. Yeah, for TV, it's... it's well, for t- yeah, and on a broken leg. For TV, it's tough because almost everything Tiger did somehow had something special. Like, what about the 2000 U.S. Open? Like, I mean, he played a golf tournament by himself. Absolutely played a golf tournament by himself. But if we're looking at just like a single round or specific moment in time, maybe the 2000 Pebble Beach Pro-Am, which was kind of foreshadowing a little. A little. He was seven shots behind Matt Gogol with seven, shot, with seven holes to go. Seven back with seven holes. He eagles 15, birdies 16, par 17, birdies 18, and wins the championship. As Gogol just melts and goes in reverse, right? Like, that was incredible to watch that. That's when Tiger had, like, just his presence on the leaderboard and guys. And, and of course, Bob, that summer you saw a six iron that you still think is the greatest shot you've ever seen, you, you know, yeah. that summer. That out of the bunker, out of the Glen Abbey, uh, you know, in Tiger Woods, I'll never forget, I was standing behind 18, and he was out in the bunker, and I thought for sure he was going to lay up or at least play to the middle of the green. And as soon as he took his stance, he went, whoa, <laughs> look where he's aiming. Like, he's aiming at the flag. <laughs> and uh, and saw that shot go off, man. It was it was unbelievable to see it, how, uh, how, how close it came to being, um, you know, it flew where, where it lands and where it where it came in, you know, it's thought for a moment, okay, maybe it's going to back up to about two inches, but still, like, just one of the greatest shots I've ever seen in clutch conditions. Rainy weather, too. Not not the best of weather, either. Let's hope uh, we get to see him make those shots again at some point and just yeah. swing a golf club again. I've heard heard very little. There was a Super Bowl sighting, I believe, with Tiger there. Woods. Yeah, I believe there was a Super Bowl sighting, but there hasn't been, you know, have you seen any footage or heard anything about him hitting golf balls or practicing? I've heard nothing. So I don't I've think Char- there. I've been on Charlie's TikTok. I didn't. I haven't seen anything there. He hasn't anything. <laughs> That's where I go for my sources. <laughs> All right. Well, on the other side, uh, speaking of sources, Bob went right to the source. He spoke with Bill Price from TaylorMade, our friends in uh, right to Carlsbad. This is the man behind the design and and, and the look of the new raw high toe wedges that are available February nineteenth. Bob went one-on-one with Bill Price to talk about the new product available in the next few days. We'll hear from Bob and Bill next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. 
Welcome back to GTC. Earlier this week, uh, February 12th, it was actually yesterday, I believe, they released the first images we saw of the new TaylorMade high toe wedges, the raw wedge, full scoring lines in the face, great looking product. The Bigfoot model uh, also available in the raw with the heel relief. Bill Price is the man behind the product at TaylorMade out of Carlsbad, and Bob went one-on-one -on -one with Bill. Here's Bill Price from TaylorMade to tell us a little bit about wedges. And uh, Bill, you've had such a great success with the high toe wedges. I know I've got them in my bag. I absolutely love them, uh, but you're making them better. And I always say when I get something from, from you guys, that's just, it helps my game so much. And then you can improve on it. Uh, I always wonder how you can get things good and then just keep making them better. But here's a perfect example. Tell us about this new wedge. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't really change a lot on, on uh, high toe two. The one part that we did change is we added the raw face, and that's the big change that you'll see from high toe one. The performance of high toe is really all about the higher toe. That's, what, that's the name. So it's a little bit taller in a toe. It really raises that CG up a little bit, which allows us to, to uh, hit a little bit lower flight with a little bit more spin. And then we've really added some feel back in the back cavity up here. So we've got kind of this thick, thin story that you see here today, which also adds to the, the raising of the CG. So we're really excited about it. We didn't change much on the sole, other than we've added a few more options of low bounce that's been, been very successful on tour. But, you know, the combination of the wide sole and high toe uh, and the combination of that lower leading edge, I mean, you can hit this wedge from any type of line. So raw face technology, is that going to provide a little bit more grip on the ball? Is that a little more of it? Yeah. So the, the big advantage is really in wet conditions. So in dry conditions, you know, every, the spins are maintaining, whether it's chrome face um, or uh, raw face. But when you go into wet conditions, which we can all attest to, whether it's early morning dew uh, where we can't, we can't pick up that ball, we can't dry the ball off. Um, but what we're trying to do is um, make sure that that change from uh, dry condition to wet condition is manageable. And that's what tour players want. They don't like a big change. And that's what raw provides. That's why you see everybody in raw wedges on tours, because that change from, from wet to dry condition is only about 25%. Typically, if you have a chrome face, that, that difference is almost 50%. So imagine on the front nine when it's, when it's dewy, that wedge is spinning at about 5,000, and then you get to the back nine where it's dried up and it's heat out there right now, and all of a sudden now you have 10,000 RPMs of spin. So, you know, that's one thing that uh, better players really try and avoid. Uh, also, the, uh, I, I guess, the, as you said, the, the, the spin, the precision, the feel doesn't really change too much for, for what you're feeling, I guess, is not going to be that much different. You're just going to sense it. You're going to, you're going to see it when, when it, uh, in the results. Is that correct? You'll see the results. And the nice thing about high toe, it's so easy around the greens. And that's what, like I said, about high toe, even back in the, a few years ago, when we first developed the first high toe. It was built from tour player input. It was built for around the greens. Um, and that's where the weekend warriors, I mean, we can see different wedges in their bag from bunker play to around the greens. And that's what we've got to get accustomed to because as a weekend warrior, we miss a lot more greens than a tour player. So, and we have different bunkers and some players are better than others at bunkers. So depending upon who you are, if you're steep at the ball, uh, you might need, you know, a higher bounce. If you kind of pick the ball, you might need a little bit of a low bounce. What type of sand condition do you have? And uh, so that all changes depending upon the course, but 
basically you are the same. So, but the nice thing is the conditions can change. So that might lead you to two different wedges and you might have two different sand wedges, one for bunker, one around the grain. Uh, lots of full wide array of them. I'm sure with this full range, full range of, of loss all the way from 50, all the way to 60. Now, as you get down to the lower lofts, we don't uh, extend the, the scoring lines all the way across the face. It only starts at 56 and above. Right. That's, that seems to be, that seems to be good. And again, uh, another success story. Hi, toe two, uh, raw. I like that raw feeling of it. Today. Thanks. Bill. <laughs> Thank you. All right, guys, here's what I'm confused about. You know, as I'm listening to this interview, I'm thinking to myself, okay, higher center of gravity. So you can hit the, a lower flighted wedge with some, with some spin. Okay. On, on, on a, on more of a square face wedge shot, which is a shot that guys lean on. A shot that Dustin Johnson hits a ton. He's a high toe guy. He's got it in the bag. Okay, back in November at Augusta, 13th hole, back hole location at 13. It's up on the shelf. Okay, you got to control your spin because if you get it into that shelf in front of the pin and you can pull it back, I mean, you know, you're going to want to putt inside 15 feet for birdie. And guys that can't control their spin have to take the back edge of the green on and they usually miss long or they peel it off the slope. Dustin Johnson gets in there with his high toe, hits that kind of sawed off little wedge shot he hits, comes in low, hits it in there inside 10 feet. Rory McIlroy gets up there, doesn't really have that shot. It's the weakest part of his game. Ends up having to take on the back edge, misses long, rips one off the shelf. And he says in his post round, watching DJ hit that shot, he's jealous. He, you know, he's jealous. He, 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 he almost goes, why don't I have that shot? Then you look inside Rory McIlroy's bag. He's playing MG2. This golf club's built for Rory McIlroy. He should have the high toe in his bag. It, should, it would be able to help him with his shot. Doesn't make sense to me. Should he not have these in the bag? I would say, why not? Like, like you know, you know, that's that's sort of one of those weak parts of his game, Rory. When it when his game's off, and anything you can do to try and find an answer to that, sure. But this would seem to be the club that would fit his style of play, probably even more so than DJ's style of play when you think about it. In some respects, right? Right, and it fill a gap that he needs uh, help in. No, I don't. Yeah, I 100% agree. And, you know, like watching Rory, when he's dominating off the tee and then he's got, you know, 100 yards or 120 yards and then hits these, like, long poles and has 50 feet and you're like, what are you doing, Rory? This is the perfect shot where you want to flight something down, one hop and stop. And, you know, DJ's mastered that shot because for years DJ wasn't the best wedge player and he's really mastered that. For years DJ wasn't the best putter and he's pretty darn close to matching that too. Yeah, it's like having all those wedge shots – and then, or hitting all those big drives and having all those wedge shots and being a poor wedge player is counterproductive. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you know, if the, if you can be the longest player in the world, but if the, if the worst part of your game is wedges and you keep putting wedges in your hand, you know, it reminds me of, you know, my, my, my personal physician, Dr. J, my personal physician. Uh, I said to him, we, he always plays some of his best rounds of golf from distances that are too far for him. And, and, you know, obviously we're living in an era now where you tee it forward. You know, you play a, an appropriate tee, game's more enjoyable, hit greens. You give Doc a bunch of eight irons, he's hitting it sideways, right? You give him a bunch of five woods, he hits it inside you all day with a bunch of five woods because his fairway <laughs> his fairway woods are great. I said, you've got to go back two tees. So, like, to bring that forward with Rory, it's the same thing. I'm going to pull up some of Rory's numbers here in the break and just take a 
peak on where he is right now statistically uh, in strokes gain approach to the green in, in certain categories. I'm going to pull that up and open my shot link here as we wrap up hour one. Hour two, we're going to kick it off with Adam and uh, Mason Dennison, the new product line uh, f- uh, coming out from Adidas. Uh, great looking shoe. I saw Xander wearing it. It's the ZG21. Um, great looking golf shoe. Uh, all the boys wearing it is already a big success. And super light, right, Adam? That's the story this year with uh, Adidas. Uh, extremely stable from from an athletic performance standpoint, but amazingly light. Have you held it yet yourself? Yeah, so I've held it in my hands, and so it, it's amazing. It's probably the lightest shoe I've ever felt in my life. Colin Morikawa had the same thing to say. Also uses some light strike technology as well as boost technology, which they use in their running shoe. And I'm so excited to try this shoe on the golf course because it not only, as you said, is light, but it's very stabilizing as well. All right. We're going to get into that next with Mason Dennison. Also in hour two, Stardom Sidham. Winners, weird and what? We'll get you caught up on really the only leaderboard. We'll get you caught up on all things GTC. If you don't get hour two, you should probably call and complain to your program director or listen to us on iHeartRadio or online at tsn.ca. There's many ways to get hour two of Golf Talk Canada. And if you are sitting on the couch this afternoon, which many of us are with nothing to do as this lockdown (laughs) continues, uh, you're likely going to be watching golf because uh, football's over. Uh, we didn't even talk about that. Boy, was I off. I lost a lot of dough last week. Now, listen, I was cheering for Brady. I was cheering for Brady because that was the best story. But I thought KC was going to win by 10 or more points. I was shocked. But what a performance. You know, Adam, Bob, and I love it when the old guys win. You know that. We love now, it when the now, old guys win. Now, Brady had a great performance on the field. But how about during the, the, the champion's boat? I mean, talk about being in one. Holy he was he was so drunk. <laughs> I loved watching. That was so good. All right, we'll get into all the next. Don't forget later this afternoon, three o'clock, TSN CTV Saturday Sunday rounds three and four of the Pebble Beach Pro Am. On the other side, we will get into it with Mason Dennison and the Adidas ZG Twenty One. Remember, first good decision on the golf course. It always starts in the closet. Thank you for listening. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Hour two, lots to get to. We've got Stardom Sidham, Winners Weird and What. We'll uh, take a deeper dive into the leaderboard at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Tee up the afternoon, what's coming up with Golf Talk Canada in the next few weeks as we also return to TV on March 10th for the Players' Championship. Lots to get to, but... 
Uh, earlier uh, this year, a few weeks back, Adidas launched the new ZG21 shoe. A lot of the boys uh, wearing it last week in the desert. It looked great in the desert. The images from TPC Scottsdale were awesome. It was so green. I was just watching uh, the desert just salivating at the green and the sunshine and being out and the some of the great new Adidas gear, including the ZG21. The man behind the product, Mason Dennison, spoke one-on-one -on -one with Adam Scully. Alongside Mason Dennison from Adidas and Mason, some very exciting new technology in this new shoe, the ZG21. The lightest shoe I've certainly ever held, but I understand it was inspired by Formula One race cars. Explain. Well, you know, when we write our briefs, we it's easy to put down words and say that we want to make something super light but not compromise on anything. But our design team has to really search for that inspiration because we have to actually bring it to life if visually. And that's that's a tough challenge that they're so great at. And when you heard Kelly speak, he talked about, you know, the fact that Formula One race cars, they're low profile. They save weight wherever they can in all their parts. They're fast. They're streamlined. And that was really a, um, you know, a key focus area, taking inspiration for what they do with with decisions on weight reduction in cars and bringing that philosophy to the shoe. That's fascinating. Now, obviously, the Adidas running shoe has been very successful. Light strike technology used with the running shoe, and that's also been applied to the golf shoe as well? Yeah, it has. I mean, again, every decision was about weight, weight reduction. So I think what was important for us is to make this considerably lighter, and you heard how much lighter it is, and you can feel it in your hand. That's, that's another thing. Um, but I think the light strike's awesome because it still gives you really good rebound and energy return. Um, it's a very high-quality foam. Um, it's got a really cool texture to it. And we use that on the perimeter of the shoe. So it gives you really good stability. When you're sitting down in that shoe, you have that light strike foam going around the perimeter. Um, and it really holds you in and gives you really good lateral stability. Uh, the key thing is we use it in tandem with Boost. We put Boost right in the heel where you need it most when you step in to the shoe. And when you're walking, um, that's where you feel the comfort of Boost more than anywhere else. And so having the boost with that light strike combination, and by the way, light strike is 40% lighter than traditional EVA uh, foams or boost um, itself. That combination is, is awesome. It's lightweight, gives you comfort exactly where you need it. Now you mentioned boost. For those who haven't heard of boost or know what it's all about, give us a little summary. What is boost? Boost is the best cushioning in the game. I mean, we're, we're, we stand behind that. We're so proud of, of um, Having that technology, it started in running in 2013, and it quickly came to golf, and it's been our bestseller. It's in a majority of our performance product today. It's a bunch of little TPU balls that we heat up, and they basically expand and trap air inside permanently. <clears throat> we take all those thousands of those little pieces, fuse them back together into a midsole or, or a part that we put into the shoe. At the end of the day, what does boost mean to the consumer? Um, it means comfort. When they stand in, it gives them energy return, so their foot springs back when they're walking or they're swinging, so that kind of helps propel you. It also equates to feeling very comfortable like you're on a cloud, and the energy return and comfort never changes. It's, uh, it's, it's a feeling that lasts the life of the shoe, so it's a premium foam technology. Now, players on both the PGA and LPGA Tour have worn this shoe. Colin Morikawa said it was the lightest shoe he's ever worn. What's the feedback been like from tour pros? I think, um, you know, when I went out to the waste management tournament, when we had our first prototype, it was like they were honestly astonished. And I had some iPhone clips I did. And Casey laughed about this when I showed when I think he saw the, you know, the final edited video It was a bunch of just literally me holding kind of a shaky iPhone uh, to my side because I wanted real feedback. But 
you see the reaction and it's it's literally lifting up their feet going wow this is extremely light i feel like i can float off the ground i feel like i can go on a run right now it's it it felt um lighter than anything they, they had experienced before especially for a spike shoe so um the face change they were happy they were excited um that they had something on their foot and i think the other thing is just the fact that they didn't feel like they were giving up anything there was no compromises they had the grip they had the stability they had the comfort normally previously if we had ever gone super light we tended to go to cheaper materials give up cushioning there was compromises there's zero compromises with this shoe it's fascinating stuff now i understand there are some different models men's women's juniors tell us about them yeah we just wanted to take a an all-inclusive approach here we wanted to make sure that this new technology was available to everyone so we have a um, on the men's side specifically we have the laced zg21 we also have a boa version of that um when i talked about the technical nature of the way we apply BOA with a new Y-strap and overlapping panels and the new LI2 dial. So some nice premium features there. And then on the women's side, we went with the BOA only um, model. You know, it, at that price point, the premium performance price points, um, we don't offer quite as few um, or quite as many models overall for women's. And we felt like we were gonna offer one. We wanted to go all in. You have all the technology that we talked about with the outsole the speed, the stability fin, the fin on the sidewall, but we went ahead and just gave the BOA features as well. So for the female consumer out there, um, that BOA option is incredible. We have that one. And then the juniors is simply more of a takedown model. It takes inspiration from the men's laced, um, has really similar details, design details, um, looks fast, looks, you know, bold, um, and is a great standout juniors model. The Adidas ZG21, light done right. Mason, thanks for your time today, and we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks for, uh, for your time as well. Uh, excited to talk to you again in the near future down the road. Have a great day. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, ZG21, Mason Dennison. Scully, what is it available? Do we know? Is it, is it available for order as we speak? Yes. Yes, uh, it, it's it's available, um, and I, I'm excited as well to say that, that like there's a lot of there are a lot of great styles, some things down the line too that for those fashionistas out there, <laughs> you'll you'll be pretty pumped. I'll I'll leave, I'll leave it at that. For, for those who who like to look, you know, Mark, as you say, the first good decision on the yes. golf course always starts in the closet. I, some of my clothes for TV arrived uh, this week for our upcoming TV season. Oh. Some very sharp. I got some pinstripe in there. I there's some. There's an Italian line. I'm pretty sure I'm sporting the Italian line. I got to tell you. Bob, my feet are a mess, too. I love Moe. My feet are a disaster. I got plantar fasciitis. I got turf toe. I won't wear anything that doesn't have Moe anymore. Like, I'm, I'm, I am in Boa basically really? 24-7. Uh, and um, it's just, like, if... if if it's not comfortable, like, you know what I mean? Like I'm in, I'm in a running shoe basically all the time now. I, you know, thank God there's nothing more formal that we have to go to. <laughs> yeah. The, you know, it, it is amazing when you pick that shoe up, that ZG21. Uh, so it's, it's, the weight is 13 ounces. The, the shoes that I have for running, which are like super light, they're eight ounces. So when you consider you got to put a whole bunch of spikes and a whole bunch yeah. of uh, other technology into a golf shoe more so than a running shoe, I, I'm just shocked at how light this thing is going to be and, uh, and how it's going to feel oh. when you after 18 rounds, 18 holes of golf. Can't wait to try it. Okay, on the other side, we're going to switch gears here. Stardom, Sidham, AT&T, Pebble Beach. I've got two dogs in this race still. I've got Norlander and Casey. I like one of them. I actually like both of them, but i got to pick one of them to stay with here. 
and we got to sit somebody. So we'll find out who Bob and Adam like heading to the weekend. Last week, let's not forget, both of these gentlemen said Brooks Kepka going to win this golf tournament. Brooks Kepka won that golf tournament. If you're thinking of laying a little lollies this weekend, you might want to hear what Bob and Adam have to say about Pebble Beach. Coming up next, this is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Woodington Lake Golf Club. Proud home of PGA Tour Canada's Ontario Open. Welcome back to GTC's Aquino Weeks. Scully, 36 holes left to go at Pebble Beach for the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Jordan Spieth is your leader. One-shot lead over Daniel Berger as we head to the weekend. Bob, it is time for Stardom Sidham. You nailed it last week. Uh, Grand <laughs> Salami with uh, 36 holes to go. You picked the winner. Who you like this week? Who, who do you think... Not necessarily maybe bags this golf tournament, but who do you like moving up this leaderboard? Who's going to play well for the final 36 holes? I got, uh, I got Paul Casey, I think, is a guy who's going to uh, move up a little bit. I, and I've got that for a couple of reasons. One is that, I mean, he's obviously playing well. Uh, I think as the weekend goes on, he was, he was uh, over in the Middle East last week, so I think that he's got getting his feet under him as he goes on and getting over the, the jet lag and all the stuff that comes with, uh, with those long flights. And, you know, he's played well at Pebble Beach before in the past, not necessarily in terms of winning, but in terms of uh, consistency. And, um, and I was just trying to get this one stat up here, but essentially I like the way he's, uh, I like the way he's driving the ball, which has is, is always been one of his strengths. He's a powerful guy. And a lot of guys are, I think he only missed one fairway yesterday. So a lot of these guys are, um, if you can keep, uh, at Pebble Beach, I find if you can keep the ball on the fairway, as you said, Mark, a second shot golf course coming in, gives you such a huge advantage into these tiny little greens. Yeah, he's tied for 14th in driving accuracy, 13 of 14 yesterday. So i got to like that. Well, I was going to say this to you too, Bob. We expect some wins. We expect some wins over the next 36 holes at Pebble Beach. So Pebble Beach with some wins. i got to assume that people are going to miss greens because when it's windy, you have the smallest greens on tour. Average green uh, size at Pebble Beach, about 4,200 square feet. Average green size on the PGA Tour is about 6,200 square feet. So you've got 2,000 square feet smaller on average at Pebble than you do at any other golf course on the PGA Tour. They are by far the smallest. And with the winds up, that means even the best iron players are likely going to miss greens. Paul Casey leading the field right now, strokes gain around the green. So I love Bob's pick. I think he's bang on here with Paul Casey. Who are you starting, Skulls? Well, gents, uh, I was pretty high on Francesco Molinari pre-week, and I am sticking with Francesco Molinari. Yes, he's seven shots off the lead, rounds of 69 and 70. Mark, you mentioned the conditions, how it's going to get breezy. And Molinari, now that he's back playing really full-time, when you watch him play, he has a very boring ball flight. He always just hits it pretty straight. And when the conditions get tough, you really have to rely on that. I really like Francesco Molinari. Back-to-back uh, -back top tens coming into this week. He's only hit 23 greens in regulation through two rounds, which is T66, and he's still T15. So if he can figure out the iron game just a little bit more, watch out for Francesco Molinari. For some value this week, like you mentioned, if you're putting maybe a couple dollars or betting a hot dog or a can of Coke or something, why not Francesco Molinari? 
And he's not putting great right now, which means that you know if he can just find the putter over the final 36 and get some to go, maybe he makes a move, right? He's doing quite well already, five under par off the pace, and he really hasn't made anything. So if he gets that putter going, look out. Mm-hmm. Scully going with the Azuri. He likes a prosciutto sandwich and some melon for the weekend. All right, Henrik Norlander. I'm going to stick with him. How can I leave him now? I picked him and Paul Casey on Wednesday for TSN Edge. I'm not going to leave them now. Uh, I do love... Bob's pick with uh, with Casey, but but I'll go with Norlander. He's two off the pace. He's got a second place finish. He's got a a, a, a large bucket of top twenty fives already this year. He's played well at Pebble Beach before in the past. And statistically speaking, he's kind of checking all the boxes. He is top ten or top twenty in every category that kind of means anything right now. He's putting well. He's scrambling well. He's hitting greens. He's putting it in the fairway. He's hitting it decent off the tee all around with strokes gained 10th off the tee in this. So Norlander right now, there's really not any holes in his game. Obviously not a guy that has won a boatload of events on the PGA Tour, so certainly has that going against him. Uh, But sooner or later, if you keep putting yourself in position, you keep doing everything well like Norlander's doing, eventually you're going to find yourself in the winner's circle. I got to stick with Henrik Norlander now. No point in leaving him at this moment in time. Bob, who are you sitting? Who's on this leaderboard right now that looks like they're in a good spot? What's going to put it in reverse? Uh, well, I'm going with another English golfer, and that's Tom Lewis. And uh, Tom is uh, tied with Paul Casey right now, so uh, in a good position through the 36. However, when I look at where his driving stats are, uh, as I was with with Casey, you know, he's only hit six each day, so he's tied for 149th in driving accuracy. I did look at his third and fourth round scoring averages and uh, there was some glimmer of hope for his third round average. He's ranked 13th actually in third round scoring average. You know what he's ranked on the fourth round? 217th. Ooh. So he may, maybe he maybe he plays half decent today, but if the, if the stats are right, he might not have such a great Sunday. See, if I'm Tom Lewis, uh, Bob, I'm just finding a tour that has uh, 54 whole golf tournaments. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Just wait for the Champions yeah. Tour. You'll be, you're good to go. It's a, uh, all right, Scully, who, uh, who's on this leaderboard? Who's going backwards? You know what, guys? You know what's shocking? Patrick Cantley yesterday shot one over par at, yeah. at Spyglass Hill. He's the class of this field. He had a, a record, course record tying 62 on Thursday and backs it up with a one over. Now, we know how hard it is to go back-to-back low on the PGA Tour, but it's a lot easier to go back-to-back low when you switch the venue. When you're not trying to redo, kind of play the round in your head again the next day, the change of venue usually actually helps that. He shoots one over. We haven't heard his name much in any of this discussion. Adam, who are you sitting? Oh, Adam's uh, pointing something out here. Oh, he can't hear us. Adam's been shut down. He's having some technical difficulties here. Okay, I'll go to who I'm sitting then as we wait for Adam to join us. Oh, Adam's back up. Are you back up, Skulls? No, he's out. Adam's down. Okay, <laughs> Adam's down. He's giving We're us the way. He doesn't know what's going all on. Around. All right. Uh, Bob, I'm going to sit um, Nate Lashley. He's seven under par. He's five off the pace. And he's played quite well. But there's a number that just leaps out at me. You know me. I don't always particularly like to go with the guy with the hottest putter. Because sometimes I feel if he's just the hottest putter, he's kind of living in, in, in one dimension. Like, for me, the game plan can't be that, oh, I'm just going to make everything for four days, okay? Like, only Jordan right. Spieth could, could could ride that bull uh, historically, right? right? right. Um, I'm looking at Nate Lashley here. It's the opposite. He's made nothing. I mean, he is he is 54th in strokes gain. He is negative 0.11 in, 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 to the field in strokes gain. He's, he's also 50th in uh, uh, strokes gain off the tee. I mean, 
I, there's nothing here for me for late Nate Lashley for him in my mind to continue. Uh, again, a sloppy round at Spyglass yesterday. He shot even, so he's kind of has not a lot of momentum coming to the weekend. Very similar to Cantley. Now Cantley's the 11th player in the uh, ranked player in the world and is a winner already on the PGA Tour. So, you know, I'm not trying to align those two up, but I mean, right now, if you're looking for momentum, and most athletes tell you momentum is real. For me, uh, Lashley doesn't really have a lot headed to the weekend. So I'm going to sit Nate Lashley. Uh, I don't think he's going to have anything come this weekend. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, just kind of read in between the lines. But you and I have talked, Bob, already about how important it is to find fairways, etc. He's 50th in strokes gain off the tee. Short and crooked It's not a good formula. Scully, you're back. What happened there, Skulls? I have no idea. So we're on a Zoom call right now. I could see you, but the audio just left my earbuds. So just left. I, I okay. signed out, signed back in. I, I'm back. I'm ready. Uh, this weekend, I'm going to sit Maverick McNeely, and he is five shots off the lead, rounds of 68-69. He's tied for first in greens and regulation thus far this week. So he's hitting the ball quite well. It's 145th for the season. A couple weeks ago as well, he was in the mix at the American Express before shooting a 79 in the third round. Other than that, he's played some pretty good third round. So it, it might be a risk to put him on my bench, but he's looking for his first PJ Tour victory. I don't see that happening this week. So, gents, I am sitting Maverick McNeely. He's also 56 in strokes game putting in this golf tournament. Uh, he, he can't make it if he's standing in front of a bathtub right now. And again, that's not a good formula. Also strokes gain around the green, not too bad. 29th, uh, right now, if you're looking for the guy who's scrambling the best in this golf tournament is by far Paul Casey, uh, Daniel Berger also very well. No one mentioned Daniel Berger, but he is third in strokes gain around the green. He is getting up and down as well from everywhere. So if you're looking for the two best scramblers really right now that are near or at the top of the leaderboard, it screams Paul Casey and it screams Daniel Berger. Should be an interesting 36. Is this the favorite images? Sorry, Bob, what's that? You got, did you? I was just going to say Daniel Berger, by the way, is on another one of those par or better streaks, 24 yeah. rounds in a row now. Par or better. He's just crazy. One of those guys those again. Roles. Do you remember he got on one of these uh, in, very early in our return to golf, starting in, in yeah. the end of May last year, and wrote it out? So, yeah. uh, just amazing. Um, is this the prettiest TV property in golf? Like from an aerial view? Like, is there anything when the skies are blue at Pebble? Is are these the prettiest images we get all year? Yeah, I, I would yeah. say, I, yeah, for sure. Sorry, but I, I would say definitely. I mean, you know, like all the aerial shots, all the shots of the ocean, the shots just off of the 18th pole on Pebble Beach. And, you know, to be quite frank and honest, I, I've told you guys this before. I actually booked a trip to Pebble Beach just before COVID hit. So last January with our good friend TJ Rule at Golf Away Tours, I was in touch with him. I was supposed to go next month. Of course, that's not happening. Supposed to play Pebble Beach, Spanish Bay, and Spyglass Hill. So hopefully sometime in 2022. But yes, uh, in terms of how pretty it is on the broadcast, I love watching this tournament. How about you, Bob? So, I mean, certainly for an ocean course, there's nothing like this. The thing about Pebble is when you get there, you know, there's, I don't know, five, six, seven really like stunning, gorgeous holes. And there's other ones that are kind of like stuck in between condos and buildings and things like that. So there are some... The, the good holes are, <clears throat> excuse me, I got something in my throat here. The, the good holes are really, really good, like 18 and 17. I mean, you just eight, seven, you know, it just go forever on some of those holes. But there are some pedestrian ones there too. But as far as an oceanside course on a good day, beautiful weather with a close tournament, nothing better. 
You know, it's interesting to you. I have had a pleasure of playing it a few times. I've obviously worked it as well for PGA Tour Radio, but playing it, I remember playing it for the first time as a kid. And, it, and when I played it for the first time as a kid, it was before Nicholas did the redesign, which I believe he did, Bob, leading into the 2000 U.S. Open, uh, which is the one the Tiger dominated, right? And when Nicholas came in and did that redesign and he, con he connected the holes, it was really a redesign of five, the par three. And he put it on the ocean. It used to go up the hill, remember, away from the ocean. And I know it's just one hole. And this sounds silly. Probably sounds silly to our listeners this morning because I know it's just one hole. But when he brought that fifth hole, that par three on the ocean, and now you've connected the fourth hole to the tenth hole where you don't leave the ocean anymore. You've got a, a straight line of some of the best ocean holes in the world from four to ten. To me, just that one move was just such a huge upgrade. And I played it again recently, a couple of years ago. I played it with my friends at CBS because CBS usually has the golf course Monday after the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. And I got to play on the Monday with, with my friends at CBS. And uh, I mean, it, I was, it was spectacular. I was just blown away by just that little change. And then to Bob's point, iconic at 17 and 18. Just, you stand there with you know Watson and you're playing the Sunday pins and you're trying to hit that 82, pitch it in Watson to, to walk off with, it, you know, with his arm up in the air. It's, it's a spectacular special pot space and hopefully when the world returns to normal people move around again and, and, and Canadians get a chance to visit Pebble and do it you included Adam we have to, we're supposed to go to Ireland last year but yeah. moved it to, to July this year during the Olympic break guess what's happening to our Ireland trip this year getting moved again so TJ helping us with that at golf way tours we're going to move our Ireland trip to 2022 July as we continue to uh, lose years of our life anyway <laughs> <laughs> on that happy note, on the other side, winners, weird, and what? This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by Woodington Lake Golf Club, proud home of PGA Tour Canada's Ontario Open. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada as it is Scully, Zacchino, and Weeks. It is that time of the show. It is three dub. It is winners, weird, and what? And Bob, T is yours, sir. So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball! All right, gents. Well, my winner this week, uh, Mark kind of mentioned uh, mentioned him, but didn't give the, the, the story of why he's my winner, and that's Padraig Harrington, who tested positive uh, this week for COVID-19. And, you know, when that, when that happens, essentially what they do is the PGA door just puts you up in wherever you are and, uh, and you stay there for 10 days in a quarantine and they bring food to your door and you watch a lot of Netflix, I guess. However, if you are Padraig Harrington, I mean, there's probably not a better place if you're going to have to have COVID than to have it at, at Pebble Beach. He is quarantining in the Pebble Beach Golf Links Lodge and uh, his, uh, his hotel room uh, looks out over the uh, first hole, and he says uh, you can see the ocean. So um, 
man, if I'm going to sit there for two, for 10 days, I, I think that's a pretty good thing. We were talking about the beautiful views before. Padraig Harrington has a pretty good view. I got to tell you something right now. If, if it's Sunday night and the tournament's wrapping up and you're getting ready to pack and leave Pebble on the Monday, there's part of me maybe looking for a reason to stay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, maybe I'll venture out without a mask on. Let's just see because I don't want to leave Pebble, right? So. Uh. Oh. Padraig, uh, by the way, says he uh, just has mild flu-like symptoms, so we wish him a speedy recovery yes. and hope things go well for him. All right, my uh, my weird this week takes us to uh, Mobile County, Alabama. There we go. And a strange incident between the Mobile and Pritchard city limits it happened last Friday, and it's kind of hard to believe, but a naked man was caught stealing a golf cart and taking it for a joyride, joyride through the town. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, it was stolen from Quinco Metal Buildings. I was in a state of shock. I couldn't believe it, said Mr. Jason Quinley, who was the owner of that. He said it was a normal day at work, and he turned kind of strange fast. He was working inside the shop, and one of his employees yelled, said, come on outside, you got to see something. So he went out, and he saw a golf cart, and there was a naked guy flipping him the bird and driving away. <laughs> so the, the good old boys in Mobile, Alabama, got in their pickup trucks, and they took off, and they ended up catching the guy, and his name is 42-year-old William Lawrence. Uh, there's no reason given as to why he suddenly decided to be naked and in a golf cart, uh, but he will be fully clothed and in a jail cell, uh, I understand. Scully, have you ever seen anyone uh, naked driving a golf cart? Wow. Uh, you know what? I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say I have just yet. No. Have you? <laughs> okay. Let's, let's leave it at no. <laughs> Well, and, uh, well, with the exception, Bob, with the exception of the naked open at Bayview Golf and Country Club, uh, which, uh, you know, it was a big right. hit with the members uh, on an annual basis. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, my favorite golf tournament is the uh, husband and ex-wives. <laughs> <laughs> Some guys have their own foursome at my club. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're going to go to my what and the uh, and the what is uh, and I know Mark, you're going to touch on something similar in yours. But my what is, did you happen to see Hunter Mahan this week? What is that? Did, did you happen to see John Daly this oh, week? Stupid uh, hair. I know care. COVID's been hanging around, and I'm not one to talk because my hair is just like, you know, it's it's I can't. I don't think it's ever had longer hair than this. But uh, Hunter Mahan has the full-on mullet going, and it's oh. not looking good. Listen, and John Daly has the full-on beard going. And right. it's... I'm with you, Bob. This is ridiculous because, right, listen, we're joking this morning. It's three-dub. We like to have fun. Nobody nobody wants COVID. Nobody, no one's joking about this at, at all. We're just, you know, trying to have fun. No one's going to go out looking for a 10-day stay at Pebble Beach without a mask on. That's ridiculous. You know, we're, we're being facetious. However, the one thing that needs to end in this whole, like people got to get haircuts and start cleaning up and shaving. It, it's it's disgusting, Bob. No, like I, I mean, these people are on national TV, global TV. For Christ's sake, what he looks he looks like he just woke up in an alley. Hunter Mahan. Hunter Mahan. Hunter Mahan looks like the greatest uh, 1980s hockey player. You know, with the flow just <laughs> underneath. I mean, it's something else. And John Daly with his beard, and the, I don't know, it looked like he was dressed in uh, basketball warm-ups <laughs> or something yesterday when he's playing golf. I couldn't figure out what the deal was. Anyway, I'm not really sure. Who am I throwing to? I'm throwing to, to, to Scully. All right, Adam, you have the tea. Yeah, well, I, I had the coffee. I got to activate the calves, and I got to step on one here. <laughs> Come on, baby. That's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs and attack the pin. 
Well, gents, you mentioned the long hair, and obviously we're not on TV right now, but I gave myself a haircut earlier this week, I got to say, and, you know, it's, it's a, a pretty good job. And tight on pretty the good side. there, Skulls, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't touch the top, but I had to get the sides going just to look a little more sharp for our TSN Edge hits and other <laughs> hits as well. Anyway, my three-dub this week. My winner this week, PJ Tour put out a pretty funny video of Nick Taylor and Joel Damon, who used to be college roommates, at Pebble Beach's seventh hole, the iconic seventh hole, the seven on seven, where they each try to hit the green with seven different clubs. The European Tour has done something very similar and done a lot of these videos, and they're very well done. Joel Damon, one of the great guys to do this because he's one of the great personalities on tour. And you have to see more of Nick Taylor's personality as well during this video, which is great. Little jabs back and forth. But one thing Joel Damon did, he said, first of all, that he was practicing the shot, trying to hit a four <laughs> iron from 97 yards downhill into the seventh hole, which I don't know. To me, that's sort of cheating a little bit. But he also, when he was hitting his driver in hybrid, he took a water bottle, put a T into the top of the water bottle, and, and hit drivers off it, which I'm not sure, Bob, you know, when, when you took that video at Cabot Links way back when, when the winds were 100 kilometers an hour, were you thinking of doing something similar? No, no, we were golfing in a hurricane <laughs> and we were playing a hole that's only 95 yards long and downhill as well. Not quite like seven, but uh, yeah, I hit, uh, first of all, what I didn't show on that video was a guy hit a hybrid first and it went up in the air. And ended up behind us. Like the wind was oh. so strong, it actually took it. It was hurricane strength winds, and they took us behind them. So that's when I, I could have probably used the the the, the Damon tea bottle. Yes, yes, that, that that was amazing. I think we'll post that video of you, Bob, on social media for those fans who haven't seen it before, because it is quite uh, a video. <laughs> my my weird this week. Now you mentioned a fan or someone getting arrested for being naked in a golf cart. My weird this week is another arrest, but a different sort. This goes back to the 17th hole last Saturday when Jordan Spieth was making his run at the Waste Management. 17th hole, he's got about a 30-footer. He's he's tracking around the green, trying to read it, and he stops. And he laughs and he looks up and there's a fan dressed like Borat who happened to fall out of his chair. Maybe a few too many waters for Borat. Not so nice. So Jordan Spieth stops and starts laughing because he thinks this is the funniest thing ever because he's fallen out of his chair. He didn't realize he was getting arrested. So Spieth goes back into his routine makes this 30-footer and points at the fan as if he were back when he won the 2017 Open Championship pointing at Michael Greller saying to go get that. And what he didn't realize was the fan was getting arrested at the time. So he <laughs> felt bad about the whole thing. But, I mean, first time we've seen fans or that many fans at the PGA Tour at Waste Management, and maybe this Borat had a little too much fun. Well, all I got to say to that is, king of the castle, king of the castle, I got a chair, I got a chair. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta ask, I gotta ask, why, why would someone go to a golf tournament dressed up like Borat? <laughs> That's the question I can't figure out. I, yeah, I'm not sure why you dress anywhere, go anywhere dressed like Borat. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, oh too good, too good. Now my what this week? So we're on a Zoom call right now. Everyone's been on Zoom calls all around the world for the last 11 months. You know, socially distanced and doing the safe thing. And so Mike Weir was on a Zoom call with PGA Tour champions with a couple of media reps. And, and he starts answering a question and he's on mute. You know, we, we've done this all the time, you know, turn yourself off, mute, and get back on. And when he started done talking- it this morning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but when Weir started talking, what he didn't realize was that there was some sort of dog filter 
instead of him. So it was weird talking, but it was a, a little like a poodle or some sort of, as he, as he was saying, a purse dog sort of talking instead of him. And But Weir didn't see it on his end. So he was literally saying, you know, guys, I don't see this. I'm going to keep talking. And so he's just going on about how it's great to be back and playing well. And it's just a little dog instead of him. It was uh, it was a wild video. I'd recommend checking it on social media. <laughs> Mark, have you ever had any, any Zoom, uh, I guess, bad etiquette, like that sort of thing? So far, I've only had one problem, guys. Uh, and I got away with it. I haven't had too many mistakes, but I did one interview for Golf Talk Canada last year. I can't remember what it was, where I was scrambling late. And I had like, I didn't have like proper clothes on. So I went to the closet. I grabbed an Adidas shirt, my golf shirt, and I threw it on and I did the interview. And when the interview was over, I realized there was a tag attached to my shoulder. Because <laughs> I had a new shirt on and the tag was just hanging on the shoulder the entire time. Unbelievable. That, that is gold. That is gold. It was a great video from Mike Weir. I recommend check out on social media. Okay, Mark, the tea is now yours. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! All right, boys. My winner this week is Bryson DeChambeau, because this is beauty. If, if you weren't looking forward enough to the Florida swing, because, you know, Florida swing, there's going to, odds are there, we're going to see a lot of fans in attendance with some great golf tournaments. That has turned into the stretch of hard golf, you know, Honda, Bay Hill, you know, winners win, like four under, eight under, et cetera, winning the golf tournament. The six hole at Bay Hill is a horseshoe par five around the lake that, Somewhere in the 580, 590 range, par 5. But in a direct line from tee to green, it is a 340-yard uh, carry in a straight line from tee to green directly over that lake. And Bryson DeChambeau has suggested, Bob, that this year, one of his goals at the Arnold Palmer Invitational in one of the rounds is to drive the green at the par 5-6. Now, I should tell you this. Last year, the Arnold Palmer Invitational shot link had his drive on Saturday downwind at 340. So if you take that 340 drive and move that line about oh, 40 degrees left, there's a possibility it catches the front edge of the green. Bob, could you ever imagine a million years? You've been to the Arnold Palmer. You've seen Bay Hill. You know what that looks like. It looks like you're trying to drive it from Toronto to Buffalo. This would be insane. <laughs> It, it has never, ever entered my mind that anybody would try and take that route. Like, it's just, you look there and you just say, okay, well, that's, it's a, you can't get there from here. And I, I'm, listen, I'm intrigued by it. I always wonder on those kind of shots, though, how much of an advantage you're really getting when you, if you get it over there and you get yourself, I mean, the chances of holding the green on a shot like that. You know, no, it's a, it's a no. it's a high risk, low reward shot. That's well, that's it. You're not bringing well, you're not bringing two into play. Let's be ridiculous. If you were yeah. bringing two into play, like to Bob's point, where you think I can get this somewhere on the green where I get putter in my hand or an easy chip and bring two into play, maybe it's worth the risk. There ain't no two. You're you're bringing three into play, but you're bringing seven into play for three. You're not bringing seven into play for two. And I'm with Bob on this. I, I but but regardless. It's going to be awesome to watch. I want to try it. I want to try it. Exactly. All right, my weird this week, just a quick one. I don't know if you guys saw any images of the old course. 
you know, we've got we've got obviously some snow here in Canada. Uh, the other day, I think, was the first time ever because Victoria, British Columbia fell before, below zero the other day. And I think it was the first time ever this century that the entire country of Canada was sub-zero all collectively together at the same time, something along those lines. But the old course, Adam, did you see the images covered in snow? And you could see the creek and the bridges, but the snow blanketing 18 and 1, it was pretty, pretty awesome. Weird, yeah. but awesome. Yeah, it was weird. It was cool to see. It was, it was, the, the images were beautiful, quite frankly. I, I, I like it without snow, but you know, every once in a while to see some snow on a course like that, it was pretty cool. If you're a golfer and you wanted a Christmas card, that, the, that, yeah. that, that yeah. might be it right there. Okay, Bob, my what? I'm piggybacking on you. You know where I'm going with this. Uh, in the same lines as John Daly and Hunter Mahan. But in my opinion, maybe one step beyond that, because <laughs> you are an analyst for the Golf Channel. <laughs> Have you seen Stuart Appleby's mullet on the golf chair? What? What? This is unbelievable. I can't believe NBC hasn't said, hey, Stuart, you know, you got the quaff has got to go. I mean, this thing looks like there are hockey players from 1986 pointing at the screen going, cut that mop. It is awful. You know, un un I've heard a couple of funny Stuart Appleby stories over the years, too. He's quite the character. So, I expect, you know, I heard this one story. Don't know if it's true, but he used to be a member at Isleworth. In fact, he still might be because, you know, I I'm pretty sure he still calls Orlando home. And Shaquille O'Neal and Vince Carter, they all used to be members at Isleworth. And in the, the men's grill at Isleworth, they have a one-on-one -on -one basketball court. And rumor has it that Stuart Appleby uh, insisted in playing a one-on-one -on -one basketball in the nude and shooting hoops in the nude in the, men, in the men's locker room. So, so when, you, when, you're, when you're watching the Golf Channel today, Bob, and you see that quaff, you can also think, wow, this guy also likes to play basketball naked. There you go. <laughs> he did a little segment yesterday where he was outside running in Central Park in just a singlet because he said he liked to get the real cold snap. He liked to really feel it. And I thought, man, but he, I don't know. I think he's an, you know, he's an Aussie guy. So maybe he's trying to look like Keith Urban or something. That's the only thing I is, can Is that what that I'm is? Sure a Keith Urban is. thing? Yeah, maybe. Oh my Lord. Whatever it is. I, if I was working NBC, Adam, if you were producing golf today or whatever they call it right now, I know you're running on set with a pair of scissors and a buzzer. You're now, that's, that's, now it, it doesn't look great. Having said that, it looks like it's well, like it's, it's conditioned. There's product in there. So, I mean, it's not like all over the place. So I'll give him some credit, but it doesn't look so good. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't Mark's clean it up. Jealous. Boys. Yeah, well, that's it too. I can't grow any. You know what happens, especially you know, what's happened with me. The minute I hit forty, I stopped growing hair where I wanted it and started growing hair where I didn't want it. Okay, See, on the other baby. side. TMI. <laughs> TMI. <laughs> we will jump into leaderboards in the world of golf, and this ain't going to be a deep segment, boys, because the only main tour going right now in the world, Pebble Beach. How can you be the only golf tournament? and have a field where there's not a single player inside the top 10 in the world in the field, and you're the only game in town. That's a head-scratcher. Five in the top 50. Wow. Unbelievable. We'll get into it next. We'll break down the leaderboard at the AT&T Pebble Beach, get you caught up on all things GTC. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new ZG21. Lightweight with zero compromise. 
Welcome back to GTC as we wind down today's show. Not much going on in the world of golf. Let's get you caught up at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Leaderboard reports are brought to you by Bushnell Golf, the number one rangefinder in golf. And I think we're going to have Jerome on from Bushnell maybe next weekend, guys, to take a closer look at the Bushnell product for the year and also to talk a little bit about how this PGA Championship announcement, PGA of America announcement, affects a company like Bushnell, their product. Uh, can just imagine the profile that it's going to get on a PGA broadcast, all those Bushnells being held up in the air, etc. Jordan Spieth, your leader at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, good for a one-shot lead right now over Daniel Berger, a two-shot lead over Henrik Norlander, and a three-shot lead over Cantley, Lewis, and Paul Casey. Those are the ones really in contention right now. Go a little further down, you will find players uh, five or six back. Jason Day is six under par. That was one of uh, Bob's picks, actually, this week. Uh, Francesco Molinari, that is who Scully is starting. He's at five under par. Nick Taylor in his title defense, 69-71, four under par. So top 25 right now. So a really decent, good outing for uh, Nick Taylor as he defends at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro. I remember we had Nick on last week talking about what it's like to defend the title, uh, his second title on the PGA Tour. Unfortunately, Roger Sloan missed the cut at one over par. David Hearn missed the cut at three over par. Michael Glickick missing the cut at five over par. So not the greatest week for Canadians. Should mention as well, uh, Phil Mickelson, who's just dominated this event over the years, misses the cut. And uh, lefty, after a round of 80, uh, 74-80, finally starting to look like a guy that maybe... Uh, it's time to transition to the Champions Tour. And he has mentioned that. Even though he's hitting it like ridiculously far, Mickelson has suggested that if he does not find early success in the first three or four months of the PGA Tour, I'm assuming until we get to Augusta, that maybe after Augusta, there might be a pivot for Phil Mickelson to more play on the Champions Tour. We will have to wait and see. Uh, you program it, new segment, got to hit us up at Golf Talk Canada, hit us up at Golf Talk Canada on Twitter, you program it, you, is there a topic we're missing, you want us to do a deeper dive into fitness, a deeper dive into custom fitting, historical looks at the game of golf, golf course architecture, whatever it is, let us know, we've been doing it the last couple of weeks, we'll continue hitting topics that uh, you want to listen to, and uh, we'll chew the fat and break them down. And on occasion, bring in a specialist, like we're bringing in next week from Bushnell to talk about rangefinders, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, March 10th, Golf Talk Canada returns to TV. It is the Golf Talk Canada uh, Players' Championship preview special. As Guys, the next stretch is quite amazing. Yes, the field is weak at the AT&T Pebble Beach Prom. However, the names in this field, the cream did rise to the top. We got Jordan Spieth, Daniel Berger, Paul Casey, Patrick Cantley. The guys that should be at the top of this leaderboard are. But for the next several weeks, the fields are going to be ridiculously outstanding. We're at an invitational next week at Riviera. Then it's a World Golf Championship, which will really kick off a Florida swing because WGC is not going to be in Mexico. It's going to be in Florida. And then we're going to stay in Florida for quite some time. We've got Arnold Palmer. We've got Honda. We've got Players Championship. We've got Valspar. We go to San Antonio, and then we go to the Masters. Here's my question to you, gentlemen. A lot of top fields, a lot of top golf courses. Dustin Johnson's going to play a lot of golf between now and Augusta. One and a half. Dustin Johnson, over one and a half victories before Augusta, 
under one and a half victories before Augusta for the world number one, who will likely have a minimum three, possible, possibly four starts between now and the Masters. Bob, over under one and a half, Dustin Johnson victories, not including what he's got already, like not including the one we saw overseas. I'm talking right now, starting at zero wins. Does Dustin Johnson win more than one and a half or less than one and a half between now and Augusta on the PGA Tour? I think he wins exactly one and a half. <laughs> you know, I'll go. He wins a half a tournament. No, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over. I mean, he does some amazing things, so he might be able to pull that off. I would go on the over. I think honestly, right now, that that's a that's it's a bet. But I think the odds are would be so good on that that you. Why wouldn't he? I mean, he contends every week. He hasn't finished inside the top twelve in like the last eight starts or something. So I would, I would, I could see that happening. Uh, Adam, same to you. One and a half over under. He's pro- likely going to play four times between now and Augusta. He'll be the favorite every time he puts the ball on the ground. I'll take the under, but I say he wins at Augusta. So, Ooh. so you say I'm off by a week. Off by a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Guys, thanks so much. You guys have a great week. We're back, TSN Edge, this Wednesday for your fantasy hits. TSN Edge, your home for all your fantasy needs, including the PGA Tours. Bob, Adam, and I will break down the field when we get to the Invitational, and there will be no shortage of premium horses at Riviera, which, by the way, might be the best golf course we see on an annual basis on the PGA Tour. Can't wait for Riv. And we're back next week, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, across the TSN Radio Network, online, iHeartRadio for Golf Talk Canada. Gents, you guys have a great week. Remember, first good decision on the golf course, it always starts in the closet. Thank you for listening. Woo! This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new ZG21 and the all-new ZG21. Lightweight with zero compromise. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network.